You're listening to Bo and Dave's excellent podcast, Chicago's podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bo and Dave's show or Facebook.com forward slash The Bo and Dave's show. Buckle up, bitches. It's about to get juicy. Number 69, we are starting off the holiday season with a very special guest. We have an uh, actress that you've seen in a number of things, Baby Driver, 12 Strong, Better Call Saul, uh, The Purge, the TV show on USA. Allison King, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for, for doing this. Um, and, and I got to tell you, this has only happened one other time. As we're recording, and I, I don't know if you know this, 12 Strong is actually airing on... Uh, Action Max right now, channel five nineteen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's awesome. So hopefully you'll be seeing a residual check pretty soon. Who, who knows? Yes, I love residuals. <laughs> so um, I guess you know. I, I think we should probably start with that with that film in particular because uh, sure. I've never I've never seen it. I'm gonna be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I could try and fake it, right? But I, I don't think that that plays well usually when you try and do that. Um, yeah. But I, it has been on for, I don't know, about an hour. So I'm an hour in, and wow, it's I don't even know, like, this is a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, the director, Nikolai, was, uh, started out as a war correspondent photographer. And so I feel like a lot of the action sequences feel very um, in the mix, sort of. Like, you're, you really feel like you're there, which I think is something that really he specifically brought to that movie as a director. Yeah. Which I think is really unusual and really cool. And, and, for, and for those of you who haven't seen it, it's, uh, it's, it's basically, it's about the first special forces team that got deployed to Afghanistan after 9-11. So, That's right. And it's based on a true story. It's based on a book called Horse Soldiers that um, a... a um, a uh, reporter was embedded with a group and he went out with them all along the way. So this is all some people I've seen on like Twitter and stuff. They think it's propaganda, but it really is true. It really did happen. Oh, uh, you know, I hate that. I hate when any time a movie comes out, you, you get that right on, on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, it's propaganda and this, that, and the other. There was just a, a big story about that. Uh, oh, gosh, the, the name of the movie is escaping me, but uh, oh, I think it was the Neil Armstrong movie. And, oh yeah, and then they got some heat <laughs> for that, and it's like, yeah, everybody, everybody's got to have they, they've just got to be negative no matter what. Yeah, sometimes. well, we're in a time we're in a time when truth has no meaning. So, you know, there are a lot of people who think they know what's real and what's true, and facts are you know depending on your experience, but that's just not true. The world is round, <laughs> yes. it's not flat, <laughs> and um, we really did go to the moon. 
So, uh, yeah, I hope I don't, you know, alienate any of your listeners, but that's uh, how I feel. You know what? Those are the ones we want to alienate. You know, I saw, okay, great. I, I saw a great uh, satire article that the earth was actually donut shaped. So every, right. any weird exactly. thing you're into, you can find uh, somebody to support it. That's for sure. That's right. Um, yeah. The cast of this movie, tw- uh, 12 Strong. And again, I know this is this is a, a few years old, but uh, that's okay. Chris Hel- Chris Hemsworth, uh, Michael mm-hmm. Shannon, holy cow, Michael mm-hmm. Pena, everybody is is in this. Um, yeah, what was it like being on being on the set for for a movie like? Because that's some real serious firepower. When you get, I mean, Chris yeah. Hemsworth is arguably one of the biggest action stars around right now. Yeah, you know, I didn't have any scenes with him, but he was on set uh, when I was working with his wife, um, and he is just a very kind, generous person. I have to say, like. I'm incredible. It always makes me happy when really kind people are successful. And for sure, the both of them are that they're really nice people. Um, they sort of won the lottery, the genetic lottery. They're both nice and gorgeous, like unusually right. gorgeous. It almost hurts to look at them in real life. Um, and then working with Michael was, you know, when I booked this part, it was called horse soldiers. And I was like, what the hell is this movie? And it's called horse soldiers. That sounds so dumb. <laughs> and um, then I got the whole script and I was like, oh, okay, I'm this guy's wife. And then as casting news was coming out, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm playing Michael Shannon's wife. And I was just terrified. I remember it was Thanksgiving. It must've been like two or three years ago at this point. And I turned to my dad and I was like, I'm terrified of being working opposite Michael Shannon because I don't know what to expect. I'm sure he's nice, but he's so intense. I, I was scared. And turns out, surprise, surprise, he's incredibly kind, incredibly warm, um, really just a no- nice, normal person um, who's just so talented that he kind of fell into success as an actor i'm sure i'm not saying he doesn't work hard he works obviously very hard but he's not a diva in any way or scary or mean or any of the things that he portrays most of the time in his projects he was actually went out of his way to make sure that i had what i need as his scene partner he's it really made me think you know he's a theater guy he started in the theater and being from theater you work really in an ensemble and everybody works with each other to make the thing that you're working on as good as possible. And for sure, he sort of embodied that, um, uh, like, esprit, I guess. He he made sure that I, as his scene partner, had everything I needed so that the scene that we were working on could really work. And that's rare. That's actually really rare when you work with most people who are, um, uh, you know, at a certain caliber and sort of, in the fame situation, you know, they, they're, they're not always looking out to take care of everyone around them, but for sure, Michael Shannon was that. Yeah. That's... I shouldn't say that a lot of really, you know, in the, the experiences that I've had, I, I want to take that back very quickly, but um, because a lot of the people that I've worked with who are incredibly successful, who have had long careers are really generous, kind people and who just really want to do good work and make sure everyone else on set has a good day. And I think that's something that we can all take away. You know, like we create the world that we live in and we can create the kindness and generosity in our own communities, whether it's at work or in our families or anyway, I'm getting carried away. No, no, for sure. For sure. But that that brings up a good point. I'm I'm curious. You know, that's 
definitely uh, an, an attribute of, of a theater, of, of somebody that's come up through theater or live performance, right, is, mm-hmm. is, is, is being very generous, right? Because you could be, the, you know, the, the best actor in the world, but if you don't help out your scene partners and, and if you're not generous, mm-hmm. they're, they're not going to be able to make you look good, you know? Yeah. So it's very reciprocal. I, I wonder, um, you know, it, it, was there a time that you – like maybe when you first got into acting where you were intimidated by somebody you were in a scene with, maybe because they were <laughs> a big name or maybe just somebody that you really admired and, and it made you nervous or have you? I'm, I'm laughing because everybody I've worked with who I had any sort of prior knowledge and respect for makes me nervous. I'm, I'm a very anxious, nervous person, I think. And especially in the acting world, I think acting is so particular in that it looks like when it's done well, it looks like no work is being done at all. And I just recently got to work with uh, Julia Roberts on homecoming for Amazon. And I was so nervous walking onto that set. I had such a small part, but I was like, I really don't want to screw it up for Julia, you know? Right, right. And everybody, I think, you know, you, you, for me, I definitely have a certain amount of imposter syndrome. Like what, what the heck am I doing here? You know, how did I end up here? This is craziness. How am I going to stand next to Julia Roberts and talk to her? Like we're old friends, you know, or be Michael Shannon's wife. Like that's such a, such a level of intimacy that just was so scary. Um, So yes, every time, every time I'm nervous. And I think if you're, if, unless you have your head in the sand or you're a complete narcissist as one of those people, you know, sort of the baggage that you walk into or that you carry into a room. And so I think a lot of times they go out of their way to make sure that, you know, the lesser, less, the the non-stars are as comfortable as possible because that, that makes the acting better. That makes the day go, go better. It makes the project better. It makes the reviews better. It makes, you know, their job easier, but, um, for sure. Yes. I'm always nervous. Always. <laughs> well, and, and what's, <laughs> what's, what's funny about that is you say that, but I, I know you got a lot of, uh, you, you got some rave reviews for your role in baby driver and, yeah. and how comfortable and, and how real you, you, you made that character, uh, come off, which yeah. is, which is pretty cool was crazy. You know, I was um, in St. Louis visiting my husband's uh, father at the time that that review came out. And my friend had texted me in the middle of the night. Oh, I forget the reviewer's name. He's so famous. He's at the New Yorker. Um, oh, this is going to kill me. Anyway, she texted me his review and I was like, oh, she's playing with me. That's ridiculous. Nobody's going to call me out in that movie of stars, you know, and she sent me the link, and it was true. I just couldn't believe it. Was that I couldn't a, believe uh, it? Anthony Lane, right? Was that yes, his? that's yeah. right. Yeah. Thank you, yeah, thank you, Lane. thank you so much. Yes, and he's notorious for giving really hard-nosed reviews. So I was, I almost wanted to send him a dozen flowers just to be like, that was incredibly kind. Thank you because that made my year, if not my career. You know? Yeah, that's that's. That's like, do you typically read reviews or do you try to avoid that? Um, I do. I mean, most of the time I won't get mentioned nine times out of 10 because my parts so far have been pretty, pretty small, but, um, I do because I'm curious to see, this might be too, um, intellectual, but 
I'm curious to see how movies fit within the greater scheme of the conversation that society is having at the time. You know, I, I like to see what, and that's what I feel like criticism is really about. It's about, you know, um, connecting a movie into the greater conversation or a TV show or a song or a play. It's all sort of illuminating what this movie might be about on a grander scale or where it fits in the, you know, um, the genetic code of other movies of the same genre. I find all that stuff really interesting. And I like to kind of keep up with what critics are saying about projects I'm in, because it does illuminate even for me where that movie fits in its sort of family of, of like movies or whatever conversation it's having um, with a larger society. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I've always been torn on it. Like I'm not in that industry, but even reading reviews as like uh, as somebody who enjoys watching entertainment, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it be film or not, I always, I, I take it with a grain of salt just because it's so subjective, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's hard. And there's some people that are just shitty to be shitty sometimes, you know, absolutely. Like, so, um, and, then, and then on the other side, there are some people who are just nice to be nice. And you're like, well, I don't really, I, I know that you're just being nice and that's very nice, but that's not necessarily what I'm here for. Right. But yeah, I'm not really looking for a criticism of the material or sometimes the movie making sure, like sometimes they say, Oh, this ending, should have been more like this or something. But what I'm really looking for is the the greater conversation. And that kind of keeps me away from like, whether it was good or bad, like plus or minus thumbs up, thumbs down, you know, tomato or rotten, whatever. I'm more interested in the conversation that society's having, which I think is really interesting right now. We're having a lot of conversations about tyranny and um, nationalism and it's, it's, I'm interested to see the movies that come out in the next few years that are a reflection of that. Yeah. That, that'll be, that'll be extremely interesting. It, yeah. Um, speaking of being intimidated. So, so you, yeah. you, you, you go to work on, uh, on baby driver, which was directed mm-hmm. by Edgar Wright, mm-hmm. um, directed, uh, Shaun of the dead, which is one of my top three favorites of all time. Um, same now. Did you, hot go, fuzz. yeah. Hot yeah. fuzz. Um, how how was it taking direction from Edgar Wright? Were you uh, was was there any nerves there? Oh, always. Um, he's so quiet too. I think he just makes my nerves even worse. Um, it's hard to get a read on him sometimes, but I think he's just British. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I was just beside myself on set every day that I was there. I just couldn't believe my lucky stars and how I managed to fool everyone so that I could be in that movie. Um, I was already a fan of Edgar. I love uh, Hot Fuzz. And Shaun of the Dead, I think, is my favorite zombie movie. In fact, it is my favorite zombie movie of all. And again, I think it's having a really interesting conversation about um, social media. I think it was ahead of its time in that way. Like, we're all connected to our phones, and we are already zombies. But that's a a side note. Right. So taking direction from him, the way that I think of Edgar is that he is someone who really spent. So just a backstory, the script that I got when I booked the part was the movie that you saw. So that normally in a movie, like scenes get cut, they get cut down, sections get taken out, they get moved around. Um, Even though a script may have been in development for up to eight years Um, and it might be in rewrite like 95, 
by the time, you know, there's the movie you write, the movie you edit, or the movie you shoot, and then the movie you edit. So movies change drastically from, you know, one process to the next. But that movie was the exact same as it was written down, which I think shows a lot of an incredible amount of vision and pre-planning. And so for direction on the day, there wasn't a ton because I, my sense is I think Edgar really trusts his casting. I think all the work went into, you know, deciding who got the part and that that person was the part. And so he sort of trusts you to just do what you do and kind of stands back and lets it be what it is. That's cool. He, he definitely gave me notes, but they were very minor and he gave Ansel a few notes, but again, they were very minor. So I think he's someone who just really trusts the actors, which is very nice. That's cool. That's, that's pretty, that's such a, what a cool experience. Um, we always try yeah. to find ties uh, to Chicago. We always try to do this, right? Um, mm-hmm. And everybody we interview. And sometimes we have to dig deeper than others. And okay. and this one, we found a tie. Uh, and it actually wasn't even that hard to find. Is uh, You were uh, you played a, a part in Better Call Saul in an episode of mm-hmm. Better Call Saul. Bob Odenkirk, obviously a native Chicagoan. And mm-hmm. uh, you played the bar, a bar association clerk. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, Bob Odenkirk, another one of another one of my favorites, uh, and yeah. and I think uh, I love that show, and I, I love Breaking Bad too. But uh, it's so cool to see what he's done with this character. I mean, he goes mm. way back to like, you know, obviously a, a, a Second City, and 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 you know, Mister Show with Bob. He's done so much, and and we really admire him. Um, to, to is that a part you audition for, or do they call? Mm-hmm. Did they call you and say we need somebody, or what was that process no, like? No, I, I auditioned for that part. I I must have auditioned for that show and Breaking Bad probably fifteen times. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I almost turned the audition down because I wasn't taking smaller parts like that anymore, and. Uh, my manager actually was like, "Let's just do this last audition, and then we'll just." let your agent know, like no more small auditions. And I was like, fine. And I remember I actually forgot about it. And I went to the gym and realized it was due. Cause I self taped it. I, it was due at like say noon. Sure. And, um, I forgot about it. And I, I re- I rushed home from the gym straight from a spin class and like had to put an ice pack on my back so that my body would calm down so I wouldn't be just sweating profusely in the tape. Um, I literally threw that tape away, emailed it out and was just like, well, that's done. And then of course, of course. And I was, I mean, my hair was greasy. I I looked terrible, but um, maybe that worked. Maybe that's what, maybe that's what did it. Um, So yeah, uh, that one, I just got off of an audition and it was like, the most stupid audition I think I've ever done. But, um, but working with Bob was really cool. I think what's interesting about that situation is he's played that part for, let's see, they're on season four now. And there were what, five or six seasons of breaking bad. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And so he's played that part for like 10, 11 years. And so he knows that character better than anyone else on that set. Right. And he was very hands-on in who, how that character would behave 
and um, was very interested in the experience of the audience. He wanted to make sure that the story was being um, told in a way that was clear. And uh, he's very intense, very um, singular focused, very focused, but very kind. Again, very generous, very kind, not super chatty, but very like focused on getting this as good as possible and, and, you know, doing good work, sure. which I found, you know, I, I sort of love it. You know, you, you hear so many stories coming up as a young actor that, you know, so-and-so does drugs and so-and-so was high when they did this. And right. Marlon Brando was reading lines off of cue cards all over the taped all over the set. You think it's just going to be madness, but what you really find is that everybody just works their friggin' tail off, you yeah. know? Yeah. I would imagine it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, to become like a, a Julia Roberts per se, like that's, mm-hmm. it's like impossible. Right. So you're probably just, you got to bust your ass just to, just to make a living in that, in, in mm-hmm. your industry. And when you finally do make it, it's like, so there's so much here today, gone tomorrow to, to have any kind of staying power and to, that's right. to play a character for that many years is, is insane. So I can imagine. That's um, right. Yeah. The yeah. There's so much that goes into it and so much luck. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, um, another cool show, and this is, and, and you had multiple episodes on, on The Purge, mm-hmm. which is uh, the, the new uh, TV show is on USA, uh, based off uh, the movies. Obviously, everybody knows The Purge. Um, mm-hmm. How, how uh, I, I refuse to watch those movies because they're very <laughs> scary, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, um, but I, that one in particular, uh, I did watch some some clips of the show, and, and mm-hmm. it does really follow suit with what they were doing in the movies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even though it's kind of like a, a scary kind of thriller uh, show like that, I mean, are, is, this, is this set fun or is it just like uh, creepy just even being there? <laughs> Well, it's set in New Orleans, or we shot it in New Orleans. I don't think it's actually set there. Um, And New Orleans has this incredible energy about it. Um, It's already creepy. Um, Creepy in, like, a beautiful way, sort of like Harry Potter. Or um, Harry Potter's not really creepy, though. But you know what I mean? Like, there's a a certain beauty to it. So I think in that way, it was creepy. But otherwise, it's just like any other set. Sure. I mean, certainly you walk into certain sets, certain rooms, and they've got it lit, and there's, like, smoke, and it's very movie magic and very cool. But it's also, like, Tuesday at 11 a.m., you know? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and you just had breakfast, and you're just like, oh, okay, this is cool. So how how do you like – do you do you have a preference, like, from uh, – and, and I usually ask any actors that come on. And we had uh, mm-hmm. Nardeep and Mia on last time. I know we missed you, and we were talking about Dinosaur, which was a – uh, which, which mm. is a short, a, a, a short, um, mm-hmm. and and one question I always like to ask, when especially when you have a, a, a wide array of projects that you've done, do you mm-hmm. have a preference? Do you like doing features over, let's say, a TV show like The Purge versus like a a short? I mean, for as an actor, I've I've heard like, uh, and I think Nardi even went into this how like features are a lot of hurry up and wait. Yeah. And whereas like a TV show like The Purge is probably constant go, go, go kind of. There's a lot of hurry up and wait still. All of this is very hurry up and wait for actors. Um, I think it's very hard because it's sort of like, do you like steak or do you like chicken? Sure. You know, there's a place for both. Um, But I think I'm probably more of a features actor just because I like... 
um, as much as I would love to work on a character over many episodes that has a real arc, um, I think what I really dig it, like I just worked on this feature called um, the evening hour and I was in Kentucky for about two weeks working on this and the, the writer it's based on a book by the same name, the evening hour. And the writer was the writer of the book was there. The writer of the script was there. The director was this incredible visual artist who was really going for this verite kind of um, realistic style and the the people involved were just in, incredible. And it sort of shifted my focus, I think, a little bit. I think I would like to do more of that. Just really work on material that really moves me and I think speaks to stuff that we're dealing with right now. That um, book and that movie are about coal mining and uh, the opioid crisis and you know, family, close-knit families who sort of are maybe a little enmeshed. And um, it was just so beautiful. And the location was beautiful. And, you know, you go away to shoot on location. And it really is, like everyone says, it's like being at camp or something. It really is. It's sort of like joining the circus. And we're all really just carnies. <clears throat> so uh, I really enjoyed that. So I think I think I would like to focus on that. Um in the future, I think as much as I would love to do that, you know, over many episodes, but um, I think it really comes down more to the material and whether or not you as a person can spend, you know, 45, 30 or 120 days on that bit of material, sure, you know? Sure. Um, now they've also got at least your IMDB and sometimes I don't know how accurate mm -hmm. these are, but They've also got John as a producer, and what I find interesting is you're the first guest we've had on that's also got a uh, an art directing credit. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is uh, which is which is pretty cool. What was that for? I didn't. I was trying to find that one out. There was a small little, very very independent feature that I worked on um, called Pretty Dead. I think it changed it. They changed its name. It has the word Mordor in it or something. Um, so it was sort of a zombie movie and I played the mother in a flashback of this zombie lead girl. And, but what I really, they, I was invited to join them. I worked on, um, creating some of the sets and stuff. Oh, cool. So, How cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. It was actually really cool. We got, um, to create a cell. We had this, we had this like, um, insane asylum cell that we were shooting in. And to create that, we used, um, oh gosh, what's it called? Uh, styrofoam, styrofoam board that we etched out uh, bricks out of. Oh, cool. And it was just, you know, my dad is an architect. And so when he builds something, it's meant, it's built to last and it's made with the best materials. And, it's, <laughs> right. and this was like duct taped you know, styrofoam board. I, there was a part of me that was like, I don't understand how this is good, but it's really, it looks really good on camera. So they love you. Um, so yeah, that's how I got an art director credit. It's sort of a, it was a, it was a favor from a friend. I think they were giving me more props than I deserved. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Uh, it was fun. <laughs> so, uh, so dinosaur that's, I know, uh, I think, I think we might, we had just missed you. Um, but I think they've cut me out of that script, actually. Oh, did they? Oh, yeah. maybe that's why. Maybe, see, yeah. there's always that kind of stuff. 
How often does yeah. that happen? That's interesting because I remember, uh, I think you, uh, even on Instagram, when you were talking, uh, when, you, when you were, I think it was a, you had, it was a picture, it was a Julia Roberts show, Homecoming, and you said you oh, thought yeah. they cut you out, <laughs> or you thought that they well, didn't get you on camera. I just, I just didn't think that they caught me on camera very much um, when we were shooting it, because it's like the final scene of the final episode. It's not about me, it's about Julia and what's happening in that scene. So, and I'm not going to say any more to give it away, but, sure. um, but yeah, I just didn't think it was, I was going to get any screen time. So I was pretty surprised that I actually, I'm pretty small in the frame, but you can tell it's me. That's awesome. Um, which is the, you know, the hard part of being like an actor still sort of like earning your stripes as a, as like a day player, but, uh, you never know, you know, things get cut, characters get written out all the time. I've auditioned for so many parts and then I go back and see who booked it. Cause I like to keep track of things. And, you know, I would say 20% of what I, maybe 15% of what I auditioned for the role just disappears. Wow. So either the project disappears, that happens sometimes too. Like I auditioned for this great movie. Um, and I felt like I really nailed it and I have not seen anything about it in over a year now. Oh, geez. So I have to assume like the financing fell through and it's just disappeared. Now, have, so have you yeah. ever done like the, the other side of that where you've auditioned for a role, didn't get it. And then watched it to see what the person that did get it, um, how, how they, uh, how they did and, and like, Oh, I, yeah. I would have done that differently. Yeah. It's interesting. Usually in that case, it's, they have made a much simpler choice and I've just put too much work into it. I've, <laughs> I've made a meal out of it. I like to work too hard. Sure. I like to try too hard. I like to dig my teeth into things. So usually it's, you know, no matter what the situation is, I find the roles that you're meant to have, they're just yours. Sure. You could almost like take a crap in the middle of the audition room and they're just like, Oh, she's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's really incredible. Like some things are just yours. I think baby driver was that like, I think as far as I can tell, like it was just the right person at the right time and the right project. And Edgar was just like, yeah, that's the girl, you know? And there was almost nothing I could have done to, ruin it for myself you know and then when you when you're in a when you're in a film like that 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 has this, the uh success that that film did do you, does the phone mm -hmm. start ringing more i would think right or not Boy, so I much <laughs> <laughs> right because that's that's what you always think right like you would think like yeah. oh the phone's gonna be ringing off the hook and and i'm gonna be yeah. turning stuff down um no it's not it's not like that i mean <clears throat> excuse me i'm sure at some level it is but uh Maybe when you win a, when you win an Oscar, but I've heard stories of people waking up the day after they won an Oscar and the the phone is just quiet. So I think this business is fickle, and I think I had a great teacher early on, Terry Knickerbocker in New York, and he said, you know, this business is fickle, and one day you can be, you know, the flavor everybody wants, and the next day they've moved on to a different flavor, and the only thing that you can do is just keep doing what you do. Yeah. And I think that's sort of stuck with me. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's actually that's uh, that's so true. We had a uh, we had uh, uh, a guy on uh, Tony Garcia. He's he was in uh, the Shy on Showtime, mm -hmm. and and he also uh, was teaching some acting classes here as well. And mm -hmm. and he and he had said uh, I I asked and I usually try to ask this like what's what's the biggest misconception about you know 
the acting business or mm-hmm. or getting into and, you know everybody says the same thing is that they you come in and you think they think they're going to be the next big star and the reality sure. is it's like you got to just it's most of it's auditioning more than anything mm-hmm. it seems like um and, and he said that's probably a big misconception that most people have you're going to move to LA and you're going to be a you know a huge star you're going to get discovered and that's what it, that's what he said he everybody thinks they're going to get discovered and he's like yeah. a, you got to put a lot of work in yeah, there there is sort of no such thing as being discovered. What it is is a million people sort of discover you along the way. And then one day it just pops and you sort of get something that catches a lot of people's notice. But the people in the industry have been watching you for 10 years. Right, right. So the overnight success um, story doesn't really exist. Even Jennifer Lawrence at seven years old was on the Jeff Foxworthy show, I think. So... I think that's what it was. Yeah, you're um, right. And so, you know, she's 17 and everyone's like, oh, my God, it's overnight success. No, she was a, she was a child actor working like yeah. <laughs> on a regular show for a very long time. And, you know, casting directors knew her. Directors knew her. She was probably turning in great auditions over and over and over, not booking, not booking. And then one day one thing hits and it's like. There you have it. She's an overnight success. So, yeah, I think that's a misconception. I also think, you know, there are thousands, if not tens of thousands, no, even tens of thousands working actors who are journeymen who work all the time. And you may not know their names, but you might know their face because they were in that thing with the thing and the guy. (laughs) And I think a lot of people don't realize that most of what you watch are those people movie stars are like very few and far between. Um, so there's a lot of people who are, you know, making a living middle-class living, just, you know, filling their resume up with guest stars spots on, you know, law and order. Right. Yeah. That's, that's it's very unglamorous. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's so, that's so true. That's so true. And thank God for uh, IMDB because when you run into that, like, Hey, I know that person, I know that yeah. I've seen them and he can go through and kind of, figure that out so absolutely so allison what can we look what can we look for what what do we what uh what can we plug i know i know you had mentioned uh that are you still filming or you just finished filming the evening hour yes so the evening hour we just finished i'm hoping it will be out next year it might um my secret hope is that it goes to sundance next year in january and in uh let's see that would be 2020 and um i get to go to sundance with it that would be super fun that would be awesome um so yeah but i think next year another movie i was i worked on this last year will be out called i see you uh not the letters the words i like i can see you through the window i see you um and that was a really cool crime drama with some really interesting twists that you do not see coming and um that'll be out hopefully next year as well in 2019 so you'll see me there. There you go. There you go. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, I see you, uh, Helen Hunt. Is, is, yeah. Is in that. Holy cow. That's. Yeah. That's uh, that's awesome. That That's going to be a cool one. So I see you in the evening hour. And uh, boy, good luck. Hopefully, hopefully you get to go to Sundance with the evening hour. That would be so awesome. That would be so awesome. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. I would love it. <laughs> so uh, you all can follow Allison on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Allison King. Um any uh, any big plans for the holidays? We're, my family lives in San Francisco, so I'm going to go to San Francisco for Christmas. Um, 
which will be really nice. I love being up there at that time of year. It's all, always so cold and misty, and I just love those San Francisco winters. It's, so that's it. It's a beautiful city. Well, yeah. have, have fun, and thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we appreciate it. We'll be looking for you. Um, again, that's uh, Allison King on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, she's a good follow, so give her a follow. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Good luck. Thank you. Have uh, a good night, and uh, thank you so much for having me. It was really nice. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. All right, there you go. Allison King, uh, actress. She's a producer, art director. We talked about that. And, uh, yeah, that uh, that show, she was just on four episodes of The Purge on USA. Uh, if you like The Purge movies, you're going to love the show. Uh, like I said, I, I don't watch them, but uh, from what I can tell, the, the, the show was very much like the movies. Uh, so it, I would check it out if you're looking for something to binge watch this holiday season. If you didn't watch it when it was on, I think it just finished up. Uh, the Purge on USA. Uh, yeah, so give her a follow at Allison King on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a follow at Bill and Dave Show on Twitter and Instagram, The Bill and Dave Show on Facebook. And uh, we will catch you next time. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to subscribe and rate us. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bill and Dave Show or facebook.com forward slash The Bill and Dave Show.